What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. It's Tuesday, April 28th. I'm Oscar Ramirez from the Daily Dive podcast in Los Angeles, and this is your daily coronavirus update. Some things might never be the same after going through this pandemic. One such thing that could change is grocery shopping. The current crisis has accelerated the use of personal shoppers on services like Instacart, Amazon Fresh, and Walmart Grocery. Supermarkets also operate in the psychology of shopping and spending as much time as possible in-store, and with social distancing, that could also change the way things are done. Stores could expand warehouse space to allow personal shoppers to quickly pick up product for delivery, and we could also see smaller stores with more attentive personnel. Ian Bogost, professor at Georgia Tech and contributor to The Atlantic, joins us for what supermarkets could look like after the pandemic. Thanks for joining us, Ian. Yeah, thank you. I wanted to talk about how coronavirus has changed the way we operate and a look into the future, how things might change going forward. The supermarket, for example, how this is all going to look like after a pandemic. And there's a lot of things that we're already seeing. The social distancing is a big part of it. But beyond that, online grocery shopping has increased dramatically. People are afraid. They don't want to go to the supermarkets and interact with a lot of people right now, so they're going this other way. But this really could change how supermarkets operate in the near future. Tell us a little bit about it, Ian. Online grocery shopping has basically been a luxury up until now. About 3% of American grocery shopping takes place online through services like Walmart Grocery or, or Instacart today, compared to over half of book sales and uh, something like 25 to 30% of apparel sales. And one of the reasons for it is that it's expensive to do your shopping online, or at least, at least it was before a month ago. 
fees, but the substitutions are wacky. You've got to be home or you've got to be able to take delivery of your perishables in some manner. So the convenience or the apparent convenience of shopping online kind of never really translated fully to supermarket shopping. And now suddenly there's this enormous explosion of interests, both for the safety of the shopper and for the safety of the food service workers, too, who are maybe at greater risk than anyone with all the people coming in and out of grocery stores. So you mentioned some of the big players, Amazon Fresh, Walmart Grocery, and Instacart. What kind of growth have they seen out of this? Instacart told me that they've seen something like a 150% increase in their order volume over the last couple of weeks. There's reports that Amazon has seen 50-fold increases in their food delivery service. Companies like Instacart have tried to hire hundreds of thousands of new shoppers. Walmart Grocery has also indicated enormous demand. They just can't keep up with demand. And so they've even had to curtail sign up some of these services because they just can't keep up with the flood of demand. And one of the reasons for that is that the grocery store is not a warehouse. It's not a place that was built to fulfill online orders. It was for you and me to go and kind of browse and, you know, and look at things and pick up the produce and feel the avocados and all of that sort of thing. So you can't just turn this ship on a dime and fully go online. The supply chain, the logistics of picking things, of getting them to people, all of that has to transition and it might take a long time. The experience is going to change in, in multiple ways, but you know, one for the consumer and then one for the market, the suppliers and all that itself. So for the consumers, you mentioned it in your article, grocery stores operate on this psychology of shopping, as you mentioned certain products, end caps, things just yeah. designed to make you buy more. Yeah. This is going to change. Uh, people don't want to even spend that much time in the grocery store. They want to be in and out now. So how, you know, how yeah, will that part of it change? It's so strange because on the one hand, people say like, oh, it's such a chore to go shopping. I can't, you know, if I didn't have to do this, like I'd have more time. But actually, we actually really like going to the grocery store as well. People like to be in the, in that space. They like to pick out the things they're going to eat. They like to have chosen the cantaloupe that they're going to eat, have you know someone else pick it for them. And so we're a bit mixed in our minds about what we want and what we don't. And that's partly because we've spent the last 100 years or so in the self-service supermarket. That's an idea that had to be invented. It was Piggly Wiggly that did so in about 1916. And before that, you would have gone to the greengrocer or the baker or the butcher and asked them for something and they would have given it to you kind of across the counter. So part of the difficulty of this transition is actually that we're in our minds mixed about it. And as we see grocery sales online increase from that 3%, it's not as though we're going to get to 80 or 90%. The folks that I've talked to in the industry suggest that if we reach 20, 25% of grocery shopping online in the next three to five years, or maybe even sooner because of the pandemic, that might be a realistic target, which, which means that people are still going to go to the grocery store and they're still going to want to. Maybe they want to pick something up for that day or they just want to see things, or they want to be in that physical presence. So we're, you know, this is not the end of the grocery store right. by any means, but it does mean a, a transition in for shoppers in much the same way that you kind of have thought about apparel buying differently. Like, yeah, well, you know, maybe I'll just order a couple pair of shoes, and then I'll send back the one that doesn't fit or that I didn't like. That attitude had to evolve too. It evolved over about 20 years of online retailing, and, and now we feel comfortable with it. And a similar kind of transition is going to take place for the grocery shopper. My first job ever was at a supermarket. I worked in the produce section. So I know this part of that hey, business you know exactly pretty, what it's like. yeah, yeah. intimately. So one of the interesting notes that you wrote up that 
a new attitude about supermarkets could change and the way we approach food shopping in general. One of the things we've kind of seen already with, let's say, Trader Joe's, Whole Foods in its early heydays, this either niche market or a lot more personalization, let's say with a Trader Joe's type of thing, you know, you can talk to somebody more approachable. We've seen all of this. So this could increase that trend. And the other trend that we've seen in the restaurant industry with these ghost kitchens, basically they're online order only. And it's just a little kitchen. It could be anywhere on a strip mall is banging out all of these great meals. This could also be something where supermarkets or a subdivision of a supermarket can operate on so that they can do only these online orders. And there's a couple ways this might play out that we've already seen some grocery locations close down entirely to the public in the pandemic and go just to online ordering. The problem with that is that they're still laid out for consumers. So a kind of ghost grocery, the equivalent of a ghost kitchen, would probably be organized in a different way. It would be organized for rapidness of pick pack, and then you'd get it out either to the curb or with a runner to a home or apartment for delivery. And you could do that by converting existing groceries, which are very centrally located. They're near a lot of communities. And so the idea of getting perishables quickly to consumers might be easier. We might also see those same kinds of stores expand their private space. Like there's already a lot of storage space and warehouse space behind the scenes. And those spaces could be reconfigured in a kind of more half and half style way. Now, if we do see that kind of thing happen, in my mind, it benefits the largest chains with the largest spaces, you know, the Walmart supercenters and Costco's more than the Trader Joe's. But at the same time, because there might be this sort of shift a willingness to be open to, you know, recommendation or getting what's available, especially in the short term, then there's already been a bit of a, a rise in sort of specialty food services, you know, the, the sort of newfangled butchers that work the way that they, they might have done in the 1910s or something. And people like to walk to a local venue and get something fresh from someone they know. And, you know, that might appear to be kind of a, a rarefied kind of hipster consumer attitude today, but it is possible to imagine it expanding to become more general purpose. Another thing that we might see, and you know, this is really a kind of a labor management issue more than it is a consumer trend issue, is that the way that these personal shoppers, as Instacart calls them, are currently construed is just as gig workers, you know, just as people you hire for a small fee to go and fetch your groceries for you. And if that role became more respected, people were willing to pay more for it and companies were willing to employ it in a different way then it's more of a full service experience where maybe you get to know someone who kind of knows what your family wants and needs and they're able to pick the things that would make sense that that are currently available in the store in a way that solves that kind of substitution problem that a lot of folks have had with online shopping. Yeah, I totally agree with that part of it. Let's say somebody worked in a supermarket for years and then they can do this more personalization thing, you know, with an Instacart, they would be a lot more valued. Because they're going to be picking that fresher produce or, you know, as you mentioned, you get to know a family. They're going to pick those things that you know you're going to want. And you mentioned in the article, I was kind of laughing about it, that it seems like Americans before they were, you know, no substitutions. I need what I need. And now because, hey, yeah. we can't find toilet paper yeah. here and there, we're a lot more willing to make those concessions. And I totally agree because I feel like I've gone through that myself personally. It's been a really, really long time, really since World War II and then the Depression before it, when a consumer America couldn't get kind of exactly what they wanted all the time. So we came to expect, you know, that's not my breakfast cereal or 
I don't like the juice with pulp in it, actually. But now being forced to kind of contend with what's available, now you feel extremely grateful. And if that attitude sticks, which is extremely debatable, I mean, you know, it's possible that next week when the supply chain shifts a little bit and when, you know, more people are there, oh, like, I'm done with that attitude. But maybe we actually want to train ourselves to use this pandemic as an opportunity to rethink and reconsider and, and reinvent our consumer and retail habits in which case it might be much more sustainable in terms of employment and service and that kind of thing. What we wouldn't want to do would be to you know, kind of turn these shoppers, these sort of experts back into servants that then are just responsible for providing a new kind of luxury service that replaces the old one. We won't know until we get there, but we're talking about how supermarkets, grocery shopping, all that could change. And another interesting note that you had in your article talking about this attitude shift is what if the supermarkets transition almost into this shopping mall successor where, you know, a trusted brand will have a couple other things. It's already kind of happened, you know, with the Walmarts and whatnot. Yeah, it's kind of happening. It right. has the eye center and a couple of other critical needs that you might need. What if these stores kind of turn into the new shopping malls, which we've seen huge declines before this That's pandemic right. yeah. even happened? That could be another thing, too. One of the things, if you, if you think about a big Walmart Supercenter or like a Wegmans, which they, they have in the, in the Northeast, that's like, you know, a sushi bar and, you know, coffee shop. And well, Whole Foods has that sort of food cafe where you can get lunch. And that's one of the reasons why people will go to Whole Foods. So we've seen a specialization and diversification inside of the supermarket as it's grown over the last uh, 30 or 40 years already. And if you imagine shifting some of the space that's already in those big markets such that it's repurposed for online shopping, for people picking and packing, for delivery or for curbside, then that would allow more space in those existing facilities, you know, which have already been built, you know, and they're in neighborhoods and, and near freeway exits and all that kind of thing. Those could be repurposed and kind of rented out or leased out or big companies like Walmart might invest in their own services inside of them. And all of that stuff that has kind of been exiting the mall as the malls collapse or that has heretofore been in these sort of newfangled outdoor markets where you can get a $20 chicken sandwich or something like that. There is a certain argument to be made that making that a more populist opportunity inside the supermarket retail venue might be beneficial. The problem with that is that those facilities are often sort of these real estate empires that have been built, in some cases owned and operated by the largest retail, especially Walmart, Costco as well. And so there is an increased consolidation that might take place in such a practice. Anytime we see consolidation, you know, sometimes that looks good for consumer prices, but then it can be bad for consumer choice in the long run, not to mention kind of labor and, you know, urban planning types of issues as well. It's an interesting look into what could happen. I mean, out of necessity, right? It might be more of a better time to do it now than ever because of the disruption. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. As with always, it kind of ends up being a mishmash of these things. And some companies take it further and others less. And then some whole new industries kind of pop up out of these things. So it'll be interesting to see what we get of this and how the supermarket and our grocery experience changes after this. Ian Bogos, professor at Georgia Tech and contributing writer to The Atlantic. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this has been your Daily Coronavirus Update. Don't forget that for today's big news stories, you can check me out on the Daily Dive podcast every Monday through Friday. So follow us on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. 
berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by Brain MD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from Brain MD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.